bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Luke chapter 3, verse, I think that's verse 7. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. John the Baptist this morning is making a comparison, or rather a contrast, between two things. Fruits in keeping with repentance, on the one hand, and on the other, um, presuming to lean on inherited identity. Right? That's what John is saying with that thing about children of Abraham. Um, Abraham, of course, lived uh, 2,100 years before John the Baptist and was the very first of the Jewish people, right? He is the singular father figure of whom every blood descendant is who makes up the people of Israel, the Jewish people. And that is how God began his work with his people, was calling Abraham and promising that he would be the father of a great nation. But it wasn't the end of God's revelation to his people, right? He then sent Moses to give the law. Uh, and then the prophets to call people to really follow the law with their hearts. Um, but when we fast forward to John's time, we can sort of reconstruct what the mistake the crowd is making based on what John is preaching, is they were sort of saying to themselves, well, we are children of Ab Abraham. We are God's chosen people. Like, what more do we need? Uh, forgetting that God had also spoken through Moses and the prophets ignoring that and relying singularly on this sort of identity that they were privileged to have. Uh, I hope you can already see the connection because the temptation is the same as now, right? We no longer define the covenant of God as who is the children of Abraham. We define it as who believes and has been baptized into Christ Jesus. But the temptation to just sort of rest on past, on an inherited identity, the temptation to rest on sort of something that we got from the past is still a temptation, right? It can still be tempted to say, well, I was baptized long ago, I'm good. Or, well, I gave my life to Christ, you know, when I was a teenager or in my 20s or whenever, I, I, I'm good. To lean uh, on that past inheritance and actually fail to sort of live into the present call of God, which is what John is calling the Jewish people and, and calling us back into God is able to raise up even from these stones servants if he wanted. So that raises the question, well then, what, if we're not supposed to sort of rely just on what we've inherited from the past, what are we supposed to do in the present? And I love this in the scriptures when um, the sort of crowd's response mirrors what should be our response, right? The people say, okay, John, we hear you. Well, what should we do? What should we do? And John says, bear fruits worthy of repentance. Um, this is actually different than just saying repent, right? We think of John the Baptist as just kind of yelling, repent, repent. And I think he did do that. Um, but here he's presuming repentance, right? Fruits, it's a, it's a growth metaphor. There's a tree that bears fruits. So he's assuming the tree of repentance and he's saying, let the fruits be sort of in keeping or worthy of that repentance. Just to clarify, because it's... Uh, such a great churchy word, but I think it's one we often sell short, the word repentance. Um, when you boil it down, what does it mean, right? It is the means by which we receive the forgiveness of God for our sins, right? He's, 
in heaven offering every infinite forgi- abundant forgiveness, infinite mercy, and the way we receive it is by coming to him with faith and, and repentance. And repentance, um, teachers through the ages have sort of boiled it down like, well, what is the core of repentance? What does that really mean? And the, it's boiled down to two things. Uh, being sorry for sin and saying sorry to God. That's why we put the confession on our lips every Sunday. If we're praying the liturgy with our hearts at all, we're doing part one. Right? Lord, I'm sorry. I've sinned again, and I'm sorry. That's part one. But this, it's like a coin where there's two sides. The other side, and this is key, is resolving to avoid that sin in the future with a firm resolve to say, with God's help, absolutely, but to say, Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done, and with all my heart, with your help, I'll fail by myself, but with your help, I resolve never to do this sin again. And a trap I've been tempted to fall into in the past is actually a false humility that would say, oh, well, I know myself, I'm probably going to fall into that again. And that's half true, right? By our flesh, we would fall into it again. But if we don't have a resolve ahead of time, we're sort of prophesying our own fate. Right? If we're not willing, if we're just saying, ah, oh, no, I'm going to fall in again, guess what's certainly going to happen? Right? You're going to fall into that same sin again. And so that's why wise Christian teachers throughout the ages have said that it's only genuine repentance if with your heart you say, Lord, I never want to do this again. I never want to sin in this way again against you. And then, of course, tied into that is the recognition of frailty and to say, Lord, I'll only be able to do that if you help me. Help me, please. And he, he promises to help us if we pray that prayer. So that's repentance. That's what John takes for granted. Um, and then he says there should be fruits in keeping with that. Bear fruits worthy of repentance. And the scriptures this morning point us towards two fruits, um, which I want to highlight. The first is simply modest living. And the second is joy. Modest living and joy. I think those are the fruits of repentance that the scriptures bring out this morning. Um, it really strikes me that when um, people receive John's message and they say, okay, give us the application. They say, so what should we do? This is John, remember, who's wearing like a nasty, itchy camel. You can see on the picture of the bulletin. It's sort of camel skin. Right? He's living off locusts and wild honey, which is a familiar phrase. Let me put it in modern terms. He's eating bugs to survive, right? Living in the wilderness, no home. He's a homeless man eating bugs to survive, all because of his radical commitment to the Lord. And people come to him and say, what should we do? What I would expect from like fiery John the Baptist would be for him to say, sell all you have, come live in the desert and eat bugs with me, you know. But he doesn't say that. Because he's inspired by the Holy Spirit, he recognizes that his vocation is somewhat unique. But the Lord calls us to the same spirit in our different stations. And so what strikes me is actually the modesty, the, 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 the moderation of John's command. He says, look, if you've got two of something and someone else you see has none, just give him one of yours. Right? He's actually implying, keep the other one for yourself because you need it. But if you have two of something, you know, he says two coats. If you have a two coats, give your second coat to a brother who needs it. Um, what that is, is a picture of modest living, of only keeping the possessions that you really need and not keeping that sort of superfluous icing on the cake. That that's one of the fruits of repentance, that if we're living a truly humble and, and, and before God, sorry for our sins, a truly repentant life, we won't just seek to sort of 
pack on the icing, right? We'll, we'll live modestly. Um, coats aren't really the material problem of our age. They're $5 a piece at Goodwill, right? Um, but I invite you to think, and we'll take like just 10 seconds and quiet, and I'll, I'll pray about it too. What's something that you have two of that maybe the Lord would say as a sort of fruit of repentance, you know, I could live with one of those. I could sell that at a pawn shop and give the money to somebody. Or I could just give away that good to somebody else. Think, ask the Lord for a few seconds. Lord, is there something I have two of that I could get rid of as a fruit of sincere repentance? I'm going to ask the Lord too. It's one of the ways that we can um, demonstrate to the Lord that we really meant our sort of internal repentance by, by following up with acts like these and bearing fruits of repentance. And then also according to station, right, tax collectors and soldiers come to John and they say, what should we do? And he just says, be content with what you have. Right? It's in line with modest living, being content with modest living. Right? Soldiers didn't make much money back then, as now, early on in their careers. Um, to be content with what you have and to be honest and not be sort of, uh, you know, ambition has ta- and greed takes a different face now than it did in the first century, but not to live even in your working life greedily, being content and honest. So that's modest living. That's the first fruit. The second fruit, and with this we'll end, uh, is joy. Joy is one of the surprise fruits of repentance because Repentance on the front end, it sounds all serious, right? And it is very serious. And you might think, sort of, if listening kind of from the outside, if someone sort of read the scriptures sort of for the first time, be like, wow, like, this would be just a sort of really heavy yoke to just be sort of repenting for sins and aware of the coming judgment, etc. And this is the sort of marvelous tension of the gospel. It is a yoke, but it's not a heavy yoke, right? That's what Jesus says. My yoke is easy. That's the tension. It's a yoke, but it's an easy yoke. And part of what makes it easy is there's a surprise joy. When we really do repent, when we really do say sorry to God and resolve our actions, and um, there's a joy that's very different than a joy that could be found in any material thing, in Christmas presents or a comfortable home or any of the comforts of life. A joy in knowing that the living God has forgiven you. It actually is something that it's hard to describe unless you've experienced it, but those of you who I know have experienced it know what I'm talking about. That joy that Jesus would actually die for you personally. There's a joy in that. A joy that the Lord is actually drawing near to each of us in the present moment through his Holy Spirit. That he's coming near to us day by day, sort of inviting us to know him more. That he's promised to come again. There's actually joy in that too. That this human, our human story, the story of the human race, isn't just a story without a plot, but that it's going somewhere. There's a climax and a resolution in his coming again. There's joy in that. And here's a mystery that I've been learning a little bit, a little bit about lately. Um, there's even a joy in God's hiddenness in the present. Right? We don't see God with our eyes right now. And at first, that's like, it seems like a bug instead of a feature. But I think even over time, there's a sort of sense of, wow, Joy, you're like, wow, God, you're sort of hiding behind a thin veil of sense 
to sort of draw me towards you. And there's actually joy in this sort of spiritual adventure in trying to find him, to reach out towards him. There's something of this aspect of hiddenness that's always tied up with Christmas, right? Because hidden in the belly of a regular woman was the Son of God, right? That's wild. Like, people just passing by Mary in Bethlehem before she gave birth, even after she gave birth, weren't, they weren't sort of like, whoosh, like with that sort of movie soundtrack that something serious has happened. It just passed by. It, the, the glory of God was hidden in her belly. Mind-blowing. And it says that Mary took deep joy, that she treasured these things in her heart, this sort of joy in the unseen God dwelling near us, even though we can't see him. There's a deep joy in reaching out to that God, a deep joy in repenting, as he's called us to do. That's why we hear from Paul, rejoice in the Lord, not just sort of be happy, generally, rejoice in the Lord, always. And he repeats himself, again, I will say, like, let me be really clear, rejoice. Rejoice as one of the fruits of repentance. Again, I will say, rejoice. Amen.